Hello, and welcome to another episode of At Any Rate. I'm your host, Natasha Kanova, Head of Global Oil and Commodities Research at JP Morgan, and today we want to talk about gasoline prices. I'm joined by Ted Hall, who covers our U.S. oil balances. So the national average U.S. retail gasoline price topped $4.50 a gallon on Tuesday for the first time. Uh, That's up about 50 cents from a month ago and a massive jump from $3.04 per gallon on the same day in 2021. Big driving demand is still ahead of us. Uh, Traditionally, the U.S. summer driving season starts on Memorial Day, which lands this year on May 30th and lasts until Labor Day in early September. Ted, are Americans going to get some relief this summer or should they rethink uh, any road trips they have been planning? Well, after a few years now of varying degrees of lockdowns, I'm not sure there's anything that can keep folks from getting on the road this summer. In fact, in its summer travel survey, GasBuddy discovered that even with gas prices at, at record levels, more Americans are planning to travel this summer than last year. But if families aren't rethinking their travel plans, they should at least start budgeting for them. Mm-hmm. We don't think gasoline prices are likely to fall from these levels until the fall. And we think they could rise as high as $6 per gallon by August. $6 per gallon. So that's another 40%. Yes, about 40% from where we're trading today. Um, so in oil equivalent, if I'm doing my math right, that's about $250 per barrel. Crude prices are trading today at about 110. Um, how is that possible? Yeah, it's, it's certainly a big gap. We're, we're used to fuel prices keeping a much closer relationship to crude oil. Um, but we could have all the crude oil in the world. And if there isn't enough refinery capacity to turn that crude into fuels, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the dynamic we're seeing today. Global, global refiners have struggled to keep up with diesel demand. Uh, with diesel stocks on the East Coast falling to the lowest levels in history. And now we're seeing the same with gasoline. Gasoline stocks on the East Coast are at the lowest levels in more than a decade and could fall even lower unless refiners can catch up. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that makes sense. So the bottleneck is the refining capacity, not the crude production. But we are coming out of refinery maintenance season. Yes, so refiners were shut down and now they are reopening. Uh, globally, just looking at our numbers, we, we see that about, you know, two and a half million barrels per day uh, of capacities coming back over the next two months. Uh, majority of that would be Middle East and, uh, and Asia. But with refinery margins at record levels, why can't just they increase throughput? Well, they're, they're going to. They're going to increase throughput. But refining capacity has changed significantly significantly over the past decade. So even as demand has grown, refiners in both the US and Europe, especially Europe, have closed or converted a lot of capacity. And refiners in China and the Middle East have increased capacity to replace that, and, and then some, a lot of capacity. But that still leaves refining capacity on both sides of the Atlantic a little short. Mm-hmm. And then additionally, after sanctions cut US refiners off from Venezuela, they turned to Russia for the supplies of dirty products to, that they used to supplement crude oil feedstocks in the more complex refiners. So without that Russian supply now, those feedstocks are simply not available. So that keeps uh, the more complex U.S. refiners from running at their max capacity. So capacity is even lower than it already was. Mm-hmm. So, Ted, um, when we looked at the numbers, what we discovered is that about 7% of spare capacity, yes, refinery spare capacity currently sits in in China. 
Um, when we looked at the numbers, it does seem that uh, Chinese exports of products have declined substantially. And just looking at the latest quarters they have announced, it does seem that there will be no relief coming out of the country. Uh, do you think China actually can help out? I think China could solve this problem on its own. Uh, I think there are some questions about you know, the, the grades of crude that would be available and how they're going to get the crude from Europe, especially Russian crude. Um, but it's really the, the cap on exports that China has placed uh, on their refiners keeps them from reacting. So really, at least in the Atlantic Basin, everything depends, like the, the I guess the pace at which we can get this market back to normal depends on Middle Eastern refiners. And we do think the Middle Eastern refiners are going to be able to fill mm -hmm. that gap, but it's going to be a close call all year long. Uh, but right. yeah, if China, if China lifted its export caps, then this problem would be over very quickly. It doesn't seem this way. Yes, just in April, no. they, yes, they again um, pretty much confirmed that they're sticking with all their targets. Um, they want to show the world that they do indeed subscribe to the um, to the um, to their climate targets, and because of that, that's what it takes. Yes, they want to get pretty much zero products uh, to get to those levels by two thousand twenty-five. Okay, so that makes sense, and it explains why we're at record fuel prices at the moment. But you said that gasoline prices could rise to six dollars per gallon this summer. Actually, the precise number was yes, six dollars and twenty cents. Um, how does this fuel crisis get even worse then? Yeah, that's right, uh, and that. Rising to that level depends on a couple of factors. Uh, U.S. gasoline exports to Latin America have been very strong so far this year. Um, capacity is tighter than normal, as we mentioned, without Russian supply. And we still expect strong demand this summer. And we saw that in the, in the Gas Buddy survey, that that's, that's at least the plan uh, mm -hmm. for, for U.S. consumers. So if exports remain at these levels and demand meets or exceeds our expectations, we think gasoline inventories could fall below the levels we saw in 2008. That was, that was the last time the U.S. was the short of both gasoline and diesel. And potentially, uh, gasoline stocks could fall to levels we really we haven't seen since the 1950s, like uh, effectively record lows. If you, I don't think those right. two eras are even comparable at this point. Right. So if we look at diesel, so there's definitely some seasonality as yes, about the demand in those fuels. Diesel, you know, by all means, we could consider that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of that is heating and weather related. And now this is over and we're moving to the next fuel, which is the driving fuel and that's gasoline. So if you look at your supply demand balances, is diesel situation getting better and gasoline is getting worse? Or do you believe both of them are still at the very dire levels? Well, it's, it's all relative. So what you described as the seasonal switch uh, is exactly right. So diesel, in, in almost any case, diesel inventories should start to climb seasonally now. The catch is mm -hmm. they're at such low levels that unless they climb more than normal, when we get to winter, if we're still short, then, then the cracks will stay high and gasoline prices and diesel high, prices will stay high and we'll keep going until 2023. And hopefully by then we can catch up. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's, so right now we're seeing the switch gasoline starting to draw diesel will start to build slightly, but refiners need to oversupply both to get cracks down, to get fuel prices down and to get inventory levels back to normal. And with the level of capacity we have, we do not think that's possible before the end of this year. So 
Um, you know, the question is whether this gets worse or whether it stays the same. There's just not a lot of opportunity for relief for consumers. Mm -hmm. So then all hinges on exports. Um, so we Latin America and Mexico in particular are highly dependent on the U.S. gasoline supplies. So if we assume that exports fall, uh, what will happen then? Well, as prices continue to climb, especially if they start to climb toward that $6 number we're talking about, that's exactly what should happen. So mm -hmm. exports to Latin America from the U.S. normally fall seasonally in the summer, and they should fall even faster with the U.S. so short supply and prices so high. But that could leave Latin America short gasoline as well, and prices are going to need to stay high to keep those exports uneconomic. And because of the Jones Act, so that's the law that prevents you have to have a U.S. flag vessel to go from one U.S. port to another. Because of that, it's it's usually cheaper for a, uh, a refiner in Texas to ship a, a cargo of fuel to Mexico than it is to ship it to Philadelphia or New York. So because of that, it has to stay even more expensive to keep the export uh, that arbitrage closed. Mm -hmm. So it's also worth noting that we're, we're already seeing evidence that gasoline demand is weakening even at these levels. So any higher move in prices at the pump, and that we, we might not see the level of demand that we currently expect. So, so exports could come in much lower, demand could come in lower, and those factors could keep us from reaching that $6 scenario we talked about. But even, even then, in, in really the best case scenario, it's, it's hard to see that U.S. drivers are going to, that, that prices at the pump are going to get back to to levels that any of us would be comfortable filling our tanks with. Right, right. So to your point on demand is that um, in our U.S. gasoline demand model, usually our margin of error is about 100,000 uh, barrels per day, so 100 mm -hmm. kBD. And so since November, we are off by about 500. So we're consistently now we're modeling we're above where the realized, you know, the realized or actual numbers are coming. So that... Again, we don't know how much of that is the fact that the gasoline prices are high uh, or the fact that, you know, we now see the electrification numbers in the vehicles coming through the model because, uh, you know, the fact is that as of March, 12.2% of all the vehicles sold in the United States were some type of electric, whether it was plug-in, battery, electric, or hybrid. So maybe that's what the model is picking up. But in general, demand is by all means is growing, but it's growing less than what we had modeled um, when we published our 2022 outlook. Uh, Ted, the final question on my side. So we discussed the exports, we discussed production. What about the imports? So the imports into United States. And what is interesting is that you know Russia is the largest uh, exporter of products. And while Russia has been successful in marketing its competitively priced crude, especially to Asia refineries, it has struggled to reroute oil products rejected by the European countries. And so when we look at numbers, and you absolutely pointed out that correctly, as the Russian, uh, it was exporting a lot of you know, fuel oil, NAPTA, you know, the biggest exporter of diesel to Europe, but also VGOs yes, to United States. So it declined massively as like almost 600 KBD since February. Uh, though there are signs, actually, when we look at the monthly statistic, that uh, the exports are gradually recovering. Uh, what is also interesting is that it's in, in a plot twist that reflects how complex is the global energy system. India actually has stepped up its product exports. 
uh, as refiners increase throughput to near capacity. And so we, we saw that the, you know, the diesel exports uh, to Europe, the, the gasoline exports picked up and, you know, they, they, they're now the highest since, you know, over the last two years. So could that make a difference to the U.S. balances? The level, I mean, the level of Russian supply, absolutely, because you're pulling, mm -hmm. it's still a global pool. So the, the, you know, on both sides of the Atlantic, they're very well connected. You have uh, lots of diesel coming from the States to Europe. Um, so when you're pulling supply out of that European market, which the cuts we've seen to Russian refinery capacity absolutely have done, uh, and you're unable to reroute that to really, I mean, the whole Northwestern hemisphere, if you want to call it that, um, then, then yeah, it pulls, it pulls the supply out of there. So it, it really hampers the ability of the of refiners and countries in the Atlantic basin in the North Atlantic basin, at least to supply themselves. So okay. I think you could argue that if, if all this Russian supply gets rerouted and refine refiner capacity can react globally, then, you know, if, if there's more runs in China that displaces some products back to the Middle East and that displaces those into Europe, then yeah, over time it could fill the balances. But I think in the short term, we're already seeing evidence that there's right. a, a bit of a shortage. It's just, yes, it's too too late. Yes, a little bit. We need it by summer. We need it now. Yeah. Uh, Ted, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you all to listening to the Commodities Edition at JP Morgan's At Any Rate podcast. We look forward to continue the conversation next week. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan research reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2022, JP Morgan Chase & Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on May 20th, 2022.